0: This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky. As always, I'm joined by Nick Horwat. And what an interesting weekend of hockey we retreated to with the Pittsburgh Penguins 2 1 0 over the weekend stretch of three games in four days, including the last two being wins, which is where we stand here on this wonderful Monday, February 28th, last day of February, getting ready to head into March. And it is tax day here at the tip of the iceberg. We were just talking that for both of us, we're going to do our taxes after this show. So we're having a little bit of fun before spending the rest of the day looking at numbers, figures, and the United States tax system. So Horawat, to try to avoid thinking about that, let's talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins and talk about this weekend's games. Uh, first and foremost, the biggest news that came out of the weekend was the injury to defenseman Mike Matheson. He will be out week to week with an upper body injury. And for the first time since November, a defenseman for the Pittsburgh Penguins was put on the shelf. They had the same six guys in the lineup for basically three months, which is unheard of, especially for the Pittsburgh Penguins. What does this injury mean to the Penguins lineup specifically?
0: Well, it should have meant um, the start of uh, P.O. Joseph, the P.O. Joseph era, or the second installment of, if you will. But we got Mark Freeman instead. And you know what? That's just as fine. Except for the fact he's playing on the off wing Or off side if you will But
1: for what it's worth
0: It's worked out perfectly fine so far He made a nice big save in the uh, Columbus game That I'm sure we will discuss in, in a, for a minute um, But other than that It's just the fact that this, this defense Has uh, found a way to stay healthy Found a way to just keep the groove And a little injury was bound to happen eventually So that's why we kept Mark Friedman around for so long uh, <laughs> Ironically we sent him down what like, a couple days before this injury popped up, and then and he was already called back up before the injury happened. But it was a weird conditioning stint, if you will, that lasted a game, and then he was back into the NHL roster and immediately put into the lineup because of this injury that we said is upper body, correct? Yes. What did when did, it, when did it this did, when did this happen? Did you finish a game through it? Because it was kind of out of nowhere. I thought that it
1: was announced that he would be week to week with it but finished the game I believe against the Devils yeah I'm pretty sure he played that entire game and then at it was Friday either Friday or Saturday that it was announced so he played in the game against the Devils and and now of course he's going to be out week to week which is just another on the long list of injuries that the Pittsburgh Penguins has suffered this season when I look at Matheson and the year that he's had underratedly one of the best defensemen for the Pittsburgh Penguin. I know, I know all six of them have really had highs and lows, but Matheson, especially offensively, has been very effective for the Pittsburgh Penguins on the back end. He and Chad Ruweedle, I think, have, have gotten a really good chemistry together and have been a really steady third pairing for the Penguins. I wouldn't know. I, I meant to look this up and put the stats side by side, but I feel like they're one of, at least in the top half, of third pairings across the National Hockey League, which is really good, especially considering, you know, everybody's always going to talk about the contract with Mike Matheson. So it was nice that he was having a good season. Unfortunate that he's facing this injury, but I also think it is a good opportunity for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Although you'd like to be at full health at this point, especially going into March, it's a good opportunity to see Mark Friedman. And yes, potentially even P.O. Joseph. I initially was like, okay, this has to be P.O. Joseph time, right? Like you got to figure out sooner or later if what you have in this guy, but at the same time, Mark Friedman's also on an expiring contract. You got to figure out what you have in him. And I feel like the leash is a lot longer with PO Joseph that they're willing to just keep him there and try later down the road. And they want to figure out Mark Friedman before this year to see if they even want to bother trying to resign him. That's why I think they ended up going with Mark Friedman over the weekend. And again, like you said, he played really well. I mean, he played much better On Saturday, I thought he had a fantastic game in a small sample size, but he played about 12 or 13 minutes at 5-on-5, and he was basically perfect in his own zone. He was perfect on the ice. He was really good against a good New York Rangers team, and then against the Blue Jackets, his numbers obviously dipped because they were ridiculous against New York, but he still had a good game, made the high-impact play whenever he made the save for Casey DeSmith, and it sucks that Mike Matheson is out, but it's nice to see Guys like Friedman, and I would imagine at some point we see P.O. Joseph draw into the lineup, especially when they're trying to figure things out for next offseason where Hextall has a lot of moves to make.
0: I would assume he plays into It is good that we're able to cover pretty easily when it comes to filling in for guys. That's what we want to see. And you don't want somebody to go down with an injury and your first immediate thought is, we're screwed. You're, you also don't want to think that whenever you're looking at your third pairing defender. Yeah. Nothing against Mike Matson. He's playing on the third pair, though. Playing with Chad Ruido who surprisingly in the lineup every game we see where this team goes we were coming into the season questioning what this third pairing was going to look like is mike Madsen going to stay up on the second because he's making that kind of money because again let's be real you just don't want to put that kind of uh, money on your third pairing or fourth line if you will but he's been playing fine on the third pairing he's playing in the correct role the contract doesn't match those are bridges that we just don't cross we don't worry about it we live in pittsburgh we don't cross very many bridges anymore um that being said it's so it's a bridge collapse joke okay yeah i know i know (laughs) um we make it all the time in the newsroom it's okay so anyway uh but without matheson you figure mark friedman's been a healthy scratch all season he's first up but then we call up pio joseph who's on a tear 12 points in 12 games in the ahl granted it's the ahl and it's a little different but this is a tear we haven't seen from him this is something different Mm -hmm he's got to get in at some point to see if it can translate to the nhl i would have expected it to be first in front of friedman just so we can keep the hot pace going mm-hmm. but um if you want to catch him up to nhl speed with some practices sure fine i like it I'm just, whatever as long as he gets his opportunity at some point during these during this week-to-week basis mm-hmm. um, he deserves a game or two just to see what he can do I mean, we've been saying how for how long now that he is possibly NHL ready. He is knocking on the door. All these things of he should be in a Penguins and an NHL Penguins uniform. Now's the time to finally see it and get a definitive answer here. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't have gone. I mean, we went into the 2020 season, saying 2020, 2021 season, saying he could be in the lineup this year. Well, then he yeah. was and he played well. Thanks to injury, he played very well. Then fell off, but then again, that's what happens, when you play on the first line when you're five games into your career. Mm -hmm. And then we sent him back down to the minors to grow again. All season, we were wondering if he was going to come back up. Yeah. And then he didn't, but that was okay, because then we went into this season thinking he could be on this third pairing because he's got that kind of skill set. Mm-hmm. And that never came around, and we figured, that's fine, let him continue to grow. How much more growing does he need to do? You can only get so far in the AHL.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. And honestly, with P.O. Joseph, the thing is, if not now, then when? Because... You look at the Penguins roster and we'll talk about trade deadline potential acquisitions here in the second segment. We'll talk about players from around the league that have been rumored or that have been talked about. And might even be just talked about between me, you, and our, our friend of the show, Doug Gladkey from 4 Checking TV. We have these conversations all all week, basically every single day. So we'll talk about some of the some of the things there and pull back the curtain. But with the NHL trade deadline, three weeks from today, from this recording, the Penguins need to find out if they're going in for a defenseman. And honestly, if they do, what are you doing with P.O. Joseph? And here's just a little something to chew on before we move on to the the games that happened over the weekend. The Penguins currently have five of their top six defensemen signed on through next season. And the one that they don't is Chris Letang. So where is even next season? Who's going to be available? What spot is going to be available for P.O. Joseph? Is there a move coming where... Maybe a John Marino, maybe a Marcus Pedersen, maybe a Mike Matheson is on their way out. I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't venture to guess that that's a move that's coming before the deadline. But you never know. Something to chew on there. But somewhere needs to be a spot for Pio Joseph. You would have to think. So, you would have to think. Uh, it's just a matter. It well, It's been a matter of time
0: that we see him in the lineup. We've been talk, Like I said, we've been talking about this since his NHL debut, or even before then. And that that was a calendar year ago
1: it's time man yeah so we'll keep an eye on that obviously p.o joseph right now has yet to draw into the lineup and we'll see if he gets in in one of the two massive games later in the week that we will be previewing on our thursday episode of course but let's get into the games that happened this past weekend obviously we're not going to dive too deep into the game against the new jersey devils a six to one loss Complete ass-kicking at the hands of one of the worst teams in the Metropolitan Division. But when you look at a game like that, that's the type of loss that should, or at least you hope does, wake up a team, especially a team in the position that the Pittsburgh Penguins are in. They dropped down the third place in the Metro at that point. They were behind the Rangers heading into a big matchup on Saturday. Did they wake up? Well, it seems like they woke up over the weekend. Back-to-back wins. Let's start with the one against the Rangers on Saturday. A one one-to-nothing victory at PPG Paints Arena. Battle of the diagonal jerseys. And the Penguins come out on top. Specifically, not even just the diagonal jerseys, but battle of the top goaltenders in the National Hockey League. At least two of the top five, in my opinion. Great game to win. Huge win on national television. The perfect get-right game for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Horwath, what did you think about this one? It's one of those hard-fought games, man. It's
0: when you go into when you look back at a one-nothing game, you have to just ask how many shots were taken, what kind of game was it, and when you look at the penalty summary, holy hell, it was one of those games. There were so many four-on-fours. There was all kinds of opportunity for open ice when you look at, excuse me, when you look at that sort of um, penalty penalty history. I mean, Mm -hmm. Malkin taking a couple of questionable calls i guess if you will and then making up for it in the best way possible in the in the lone goal of the game but the when you look at this kind of game multiple looks like three three four on four situations yeah before the penguins or or the before the rangers even get their own sort of uh penalty uh power play just just a wild game old school New York Rangers, Pittsburgh Penguins rivalry because that's a rivalry rivalry we haven't seen in a long time we haven't seen a blossom, we've been discussing it blossoming for a little bit now but the fact that both teams are very good again now granted we still have to play each other a lot more and I think they Mm -hmm. said on the broadcast uh, quite a lot that we play them three times in the next couple of weeks it's going to be an interesting little matchup Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it's so far we got the upper hand 1-0 it's not the most ideal win because you would like to win by a couple especially in a rivalry game like this but the fact that you're coming off of such a bad loss against the devils against uh, such a bad team and you haven't looked good in the last few games beforehand picking up any win is good and it's a start and the fact that uh, tristan Jari was able to shut down how many shots was it 27 that's a shutout victor and it's not bad it's like I said, a one nothing game is never ideal. Those are probably the most stressful games in regular season hockey. But it is a win is a win for now, and I'll take it. But you want to see more. And also, good lord, let's watch the penalties, boys.
1: Well, I mean, when you look at it, that game was so poorly officiated. Yeah, when that We talked about the four-on-fours, and then even on the broadcast, I, I don't want to take too much credence from that broadcast team because I thought it was pretty putrid on ABC on Saturday. But – the one thing they did say is the only way to end these these post-whistle scrums is eventually they're going to take one guy. And they waited till the last and worst possible time with 10 minutes left in the game. And they take only Marcus Pedersen from that type of scrum. So it was not just that. There was missed calls. The Penguins, I think it was Jake Gensel, had an egregious hooking penalty that the, the refs just missed. The refereeing on both sides in that game was was horrific and that played into the game as well that slowed down the pace of the game it let those two teams go at it post whistle which also slowed down the pace of the game because people had to be careful when the play was going on but I thought overall for the Pittsburgh Penguins they played solid defense in that game I thought they played really well against a high-flying New York Rangers team outstanding goaltending from Tristan Jari he was he was really good and he proved once again that he deserves to be at least a finalist or sniffing a finalist spot for the Vezina Trophy. Shastark on the other side was also... This is the, one of the first times that I've seen him play in full for a full 60-minute game, and he was absolutely phenomenal. The way that he was playing between the pipes, it's really unfortunate for the Penguins that they're going to have to face this guy for probably his entire career because they just got done facing Henrik Lundqvist. So we'll see uh, what happens with all of that, but Shastark was great. Huge penalty kill on that Pedersen penalty to me. I think that was the turning point of the game right there because it was even... Up until that point, they took Pedersen. You saw how good the Rangers power play was. They got opportunities, but a huge couple saves by Jari and a huge big block by big Brian Boyle on that penalty kill because the Rangers, they were snapping it tape to tape really easily. And luckily Boyle was able to get that shot block and it went the whole way out of the zone. They got a change and there was a massive penalty kill. Of course, only a couple minutes before Evgeny Malkin breaks the scoring with his power play goal.
0: Yeah, it, you mentioned Sturken being on top of his game. His last 5 games played, he's only given up. I mean, it could be longer, but I'm only I'm only looking at his last 5. He's only given up one regulation goal in each of them. I said regulation because yeah. his, there was one game that slips in there, it was a shootout goal, so really does that count. Yeah. But dude's ridiculous. I mean, that's 25 on 20 25 saves, 36, 29, uh 31 and then 31. That's a lot of saves in your last five games to only let in five goals. Five goals that really count. Yeah, that's that dude's impressive this year. He's got a real good chance of, like you mentioned, finishing out the Vesna. But again, the officiating is what really finished up that game. You're gonna. It is what called. It is what caused it. Really, it was a power play goal that wanted for Malkin. Um, It was a penalty kill that caused that huge block from brian boy he had two good blocks on that on that kill by the way he, he did yeah that yeah. first one was a little underrated didn't go out didn't go out of the zone but it any block is good enough to throw the rangers off their game and one thing that the uh announcing crew despite how much you may not have enjoyed them mentioned yeah. was the rangers have a certain setup and that's what the penguins are trying to stop it trying to stop and they managed to that certain setup from panarin trying to whip it far across the ice from like top corner yeah um and when you're able to get in the way of their uh ideal situation it's like stopping ovechkin on the power play you know where he's gonna be play that play the position play uh to their positioning that's one thing that, that that our penalty kill has to do especially without bluger in it for
1: now and they did phenomenal mm-hmm. huge win for the penguins on saturday it was a real feel good around penguins twitter everybody was much happier especially after closing down that 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 three-game losing streak that they had, which I didn't even notice the fact that three games is the longest losing streak the Penguins have had all season long. They've done it a couple times, but that's the longest one. That's the mark of a good team, not letting it snowball in the wrong direction. And they've had multiple game, winning streaks of five-plus games. So obviously this team, I wouldn't even call them streaky, but hopefully they're getting on to the other side of that and getting a nice win streak here, heading into what is historically the best month in the Crosby era. Historically, March is one of the best months in the Sydney Crosby era for the Pittsburgh Penguins, so we'll see what happens on the 2022 installment of the March of the Penguins, but before we get to that, the final game of February 2022 against the Columbus Blue Jackets on Sunday late afternoon. Penguins win it by a score of 3-2, to but realistically, when you looked at this game, It looked like the Penguins were clearly the better team. They outskated the Columbus Blue Jackets, basically into submission. Just some hot goaltending from Elvis Lincolns and some bad luck for the Pittsburgh Penguins in the first half before they were finally able to get it past them in the third period. Horwat, what were your takes on this game really quickly before we look forward to the later stage of this week and then we move on to trade deadline talk?
0: I didn't have too many takes other than... It was a classic uh, rivalry game that was trying to be brought back a little bit. Crosby's game-winning goal was one that, you know, if, if it wasn't Crosby, I'm sure there wouldn't be as much uproar about it. But the fact that Sidney Crosby is the one that got, that quote-unquote got the call, uh, Columbus fans are going to cry about it. Um, it happens. I, the way I see it is, the way I looked at that play is, that puck was clearly going eight feet over the net yeah as a goalie you want to stop everything coming at you but that one clearly wasn't going to be on net it was going to fly over you left your crease two attempts to make a save that didn't need to be saved could it have been called a no goal maybe but again the officiating crew is wild this year especially when it comes to these sort of situations so i wasn't surprised i wasn't going to be surprised either way that being said good goal love to see it piss off some columbus blue jackets fans and also my other takeaway is are we done with zach aston reese yet i'm over i told this to you and dougie i am over his analytics i am this this team has absolutely zero depth scoring none chad ruido it's factored into a goal cool that's not our depth scoring that's our defense and he's got what two goals now in the last three games because he just signed a nice big new contract love that um, no, this team has zero depth scoring. We all know Zach Asteris is not going to score. His analytics can say what they want. I don't care. At this, uh, as long as this team has zero, none, none, no depth scoring, not even Jeff Carter anymore. Until that gets figured out, I don't care about the analytics. I want someone who can put a puck in the net. So I am personally over
1: the analytics. So who would you put in instead of him before I give you my answer?
0: Uh, Bjor- we saw Bjorkwis get called up. Um, even Zahorna is okay with me. Uh, and I'm trying to remember another name. I think you threw out another name that was interesting. Oh, give Pustin in his chance.
1: Maybe. I, I threw up Pustin in, in that. I said, I'd like to see Pustin get a couple games here in the NHL before the end of this regular season, but I don't want to see him on the fourth line. That's the problem. I, I like, he's a scoring guy. I don't, I don't think he should be on the fourth line, especially at his first call up. But no, when I look at Zach aston Reese, this is not a question that I think you, you kind of said it perfectly which kind of set me up this is not a question if the evan rodriguez of the world the the caspery captains of the world the jeff Carters, if they're scoring goals and doing their job we don't care as much about zach aston reese and his lack of point scoring his last his lack of counting stats basically his analytic stats have always been there and i think the biggest thing for that also is look who he's been playing with. It's been a it's been a really tough go when you're mixing around who you're playing with. Now he's kind of had a little bit of stability with Brian Boyle and Dom Simone, but those guys aren't finishers either. So what's he going to get assists on? I mean, Brian Boyle is the best finisher on that line. And Boyle is a 10 goal type of guy. He's already basically hitting his ceiling and nothing against Brian Boyle. He's just not that guy. And realistically, neither is Aston Reese. Now I understand that you need depth scoring. But once this team gets healthy, once you get a Jason Zucker in, once Erod starts to to flatten out back to the mean, because we said he was way so far above it before, now he's underneath it. He needs to get back up to that mean. Once he gets there, and I think it's coming, that's that's actually a note that I had after re-watching this game, I think he seems to be getting his groove back. Seems like he's getting a little bit more confidence. He rang that shot off the post where he flat-out beat Merz Lincolns and hit basically the intertwined area between the crossbar and the post he's starting to and you can see it in in all of these games you saw it against the rangers as well he's starting to get his groove back Kasperi Kapanen is dead upon arrival he's done so if you switch him out and honestly get any more and we'll talk about some potential wingers that the penguins could trade for if you get more depth scoring from your third line even better from your wingers on your second line it's not going to be an issue. Was Zach Aston Reese? I'm not ready to bury that guy. I know he's not scoring goals, but he never really has. And it's a matter of, if you're all right with everybody else, then him not scoring goals is not an issue. The only problem is everybody else is scoring. I don't think he should take the brunt of it just because everybody else is underperforming to what they're supposed to be doing.
0: Right. I think my other backup to this is, um, we, ex- we expect other guys to score, right? We expect, Ev- now this year, we expect Evan Rodriguez to chip in. We expected... Uh, Kasperi Kaplan to do more. When uh, yeah. Jason Zucker comes back, we expect him to do a little more. It's the expectations that why I would keep them in the lineup over Zach Aston Reese at this point, because we're not expecting Aston Reese to score. We're not. Yeah. Period. In a fully healthy lineup, he's there. Don't get me wrong. In a fully healthy lineup where everyone is doing, their, doing what they're supposed to do, he's still in there, and what he's mm-hmm. supposed to do is not score and play defense. Fine. That's cool with me. But the fact that the guys that we are expecting to score are not – but we have this. We still hold on to this belief that they can and will bring it back. Maybe because Mary Captain pops off in March. Because, like you said, March is traditionally a successful month for the Penguins. Mm-hmm. Maybe something changes with the turn of the calendar. I don't know. Maybe, you already said, Rodriguez is looking like he's tra- starting to figure it back out. And he is. I agree with you there. So we're expecting those guys to kind of do something. We're expecting them to and hoping that they can pick the game up. Whereas Aston Reese, we know what he is. This, he's doing what we're expecting to do without any changes. He, he, we're expecting him to get good analytics and play good defense. Even with the guys in front of him not scoring, that's exactly what he's still doing. But I want to see someone try and do something. So maybe a little switch up at the at the it's the fourth line level. Here we go. Well, welcome to Pittsburgh. We're harping on our fourth damn line. <laughs> but... Um, some some change has to come from somewhere and i think the and another fact that they called bjorkwist up and he was filling in for aston reese online rushes there's a little start there i maybe i've read too far into that maybe even
1: sullivan was like don't read into any of that."
0: oh guess what i read into it i don't care because (laughs) he's just not doing anything offensively and the penguins live and die on depth scoring when it comes to the big moments and the big times Mm -hmm. we're getting toward those moments we're heading into march and the depth scoring needs to be there. If you get even a goal, two goals from someone in the bottom six, I shut up. But again, nothing's happened. So give, uh, we called him up. Give Bjorkvist his chance. Puts the back in the lineup. Maybe a goal or two comes from there. And you know what? Look at these games we're playing. We last, I mean, aside from the Jersey game, two goals against Columbus. No goals against the Rangers. You keep up good goaltending like that. One or two goals is going to make the difference.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So that's just me. I'm over the I'm over the defensive analytics until he can start scoring. If he starts scoring, hell, I'll shut up. Mm-hmm. I'll be quiet. Give me a goal. Give me a goal. Two goals. Well, I'll be quiet.
1: So, so far on this season, he has a goal, which I, I will say. Listen, I'm okay with him not scoring because of how good he is on the, you know, as, a, as an analytics guy, how good he is on the penalty kill, but I do need a little bit more than one goal. I'm not going to try. I can't bend over backwards defending you when you only have one goal, when you're being outscored by Chad Ruweedle and Dom Simone, like it, it gets a little hard to defend your offensive upside when that happens. But also uh, the last point that I'm going to have on this and then we can move on is the fact that once Teddy Bluger does come back, Bluger and Aston Reese are the reason that you had the number one penalty kill. Not that, I mean, obviously your best penalty killer is always your goaltender, but Bluger and Aston Reese lead that unit. And you need a good penalty kill, especially, you know, you're going to be facing the Rangers, the Hurricanes, potentially the Lightning in a playoff series, the Panthers, the Maple Leafs. These are all teams that have absolutely lethal power plays. You're going to need a guy like Aston Reese on the penalty kill. I know the Penguins are the least penalized team in the National Hockey League this year. Sure doesn't seem like it it sometimes. (laughs) Didn't seem like it on Saturday, but statistically the least penalized team in the National Hockey League. But still, you need a guy whenever you do take those bad penalties. Whenever we see the Marcus Pedersons of the world taking a penalty with 10 minutes left in a 0-0 game, you need a guy to rely on that you can say, all right, Zach Aston reese get out there. Him and Teddy Bluger are great together. Again, Bluger's still out, but... I, I do see a yes. use for Aston Reese still in the lineup, even if he's not producing offensively.
0: I get, And I do, too. It's just a matter of everyone in front of him doing
1: it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The one thing that I do—I uh, didn't really have many other notes on the game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Obviously, the power play goal by Malkin. All five players on the Penguins' power play touching the puck within basically 20 seconds of the goal— It was not even 20 seconds. You could even say probably 10 seconds or even five, but just absolutely phenomenal passing. I wanted to highlight that. And the last thing I did want to highlight, Dan Heinen and Evgeny Malkin are starting to show some chemistry. Now all they need is a right winger, which we'll pick up on in the next segment. But I do like what Heinen on the left side of Malkin is starting to look like. They just need to get rid of that anchor that's sitting on their right wing. Ah, death taxes. Death taxes and us talking about Kasperi Kapanen. There actually. it is. So I, I've really liked what I've seen, especially over the weekend from Hein and Malkin. I think if you can build on that, then you're you're much better because Malkin's been great since he's returned. A lot of his productions come on the power play but that's mainly because his wingers have been just a revolving door. So hopefully Heinen can settle in there and they can build chemistry and then maybe add somebody on the right side to round out that line. That's that's what I'm hoping for here, especially with a couple, I mean, the next seven games for the Pittsburgh Penguins are going against current playoff teams. So it's going to be a rough stretch leading up to the uh, the trade deadline.
0: Yeah, for sure. And like I said, I, we were talking about this before the season started. Dan Heinen strikes me as a Pascal Dupuy type that can fill in literally anywhere you want to yeah. stick him with Crosby something might happen there You want to stick him with Malkin it might not be the same but something will happen there fourth line because he's not the greatest of players but he's a good player perfect mm-hmm. third again this it's the Pascal Dupuis type where, where fans loved that mm-hmm. although Dupuis had a little bit more of a personality yeah but we don't know Heinen yet really this could be hey, his time, and sticking him on the second line and having him pair well with Malkin's pretty good.
1: I like this. What is Danton Heinen? Is he Finnish or is he Swedish? I, I he feel just, like he's Finnish. I thought he was just Canadian. Is Danton Heinen Canadian? Very
0: much Before. so. He is... Ca- Langley, British Columbia.
1: Really? All right. He just—he looks like he is from a Scandinavian country. He
0: does look like Uso Rikula, so I'll give you and that.
1: And Heinen, yeah. Yeah, so I don't Maybe know he's, that's... That... Maybe the He's family Canadian. goes okay. back Never a little. The, the, then my, my entire thing that I was about to say is just completely debunked. So let's move on from that. Um, we, I don't want to get it too much into the games for Thursday night and Friday night because we're going to talk about that on the Thursday episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. But uh, I would start Tristan Jari in both of those games because the Penguins, starting today, have only four games in the next 12 days. So I think, you know, that back-to-back at Tampa Bay, at Carolina – Lord and Savior, Tristan Jari. I think that's 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 where you need to go if you're Mike Sullivan. He might think otherwise, but I, I would say start him in both of those games. I know you don't want to overplay him, but in those two massive games, especially you know, one against one of the top teams in the conference and the other against the top team in your division, let Tristan Jari face those shots and then see what you want to do because the Penguins have three days off heading into that back-to-back and then three days off on the tail end of that back-to-back. Why not let him get both? Not bad. I don't hate that idea. Two very important
0: games, like you mentioned, the Lightning and the Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Travel day. That kind of hurts, though. But, oh, yeah. but damn, how much trust do we have in Casey Desmith anymore?
1: When's Louis we'll come get, back? We'll get into that. We will get into that in the next segment. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're talking trade deadline potential acquisitions for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Stay with us here on the tip of the iceberg. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team in the association and get $150 in free bets if they win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. DraftKings is giving... All new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THBN, bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THBN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See draftkings.com/sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee? Call or text the TN red line at 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut? Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. And in New York? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. The trade deadline is three weeks away. This is us in our glory. Maybe we should try to get a a live stream going for trade deadline night. That is a Monday night, so we'll see. We'll see if we can uh, recreate the magic of last year's trade deadline with the Jeff Carter deal. But let's talk about potential pieces for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I have this broken down into the three places. Of course, we'll get into our Penns poll, which is which of the re- these three positions would you like to see Hextall address? But we'll, we'll break it down by this. Potential wingers for the Penguins, because they don't really need a center. Nobody thinks they're going to go out and get a center. So potential wingers, potential defensemen, and then goaltenders. Let's start with winger because I feel like there's a lot of options out there, at least as of right now. And let's start with a place that has very many options of people that could be on the move and that's Vancouver. Connor Garland, potential to be moved. JT Miller, potential to be moved. Brock Besser, potential to be moved. I'd break this down like this. I would like, first and foremost, I'd like to see any of them play for the Pittsburgh Penguins. If you ignore everything else, just watching them play in the black and gold, I think all three of them would fit. I think all three of them would be really nice to see play for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But, Brock Besser has an expiring contract and he's going to be way too expensive to sign back. Now, I don't really want to get into that. I, I really don't want to bring that in because it's already going to be a tough off season. Connor Garland, you're buying way too many years. He has four years after this year left on his contract, just a hair under $5 million. I think you're buying too many years, even though he's only 25. JT Miller, if I'm going to pick any of them, is my preferred option. He has one year left, so you're not just getting him as a rental. It's at $5.25 million. Maybe you get Rutherford and Alvin to potentially take some of that money back. But you look at the production that he's had. 20 goals, 59 points, and 50 games played. It relieves the pressure of re-signing Rust if a deal can't be made. He's a guy that could fill in for Rust if you can't sign Rust back for next season. If not, you can pay for him based on just letting Kapnan and Erod walk. If you can have Rust and JT Miller... While letting Captain and Erod walk, you're you're set very well. So I think of the three, I would prefer JT Miller. You're probably going to have to pay a little bit more because of the season he's having. But I see that as like a Marion Hossa type deal whenever he came over in 2008. Now clearly he's not going to have the career. He's not going to be a Hall of Famer. But I see that as an addition that adds to the Penguins like Marion Hossa added to the Penguins back in 08. I agree,
0: I like that choice uh, You look at everyone else, just everyone's going to be requesting too much money or too much term Yeah, JT Miller seems perfect because he, let's say we get to the end of that contract and we don't want it uh, and we, we walk, because he's just a UFA and that's the end of that That's that, thank you for your service I agree with you on everything you just said there I don't have too much else to add because I look at the deals of Connor Garland, that's long It's not a ton yeah. of money, but it's long and uh, he is 25, so he's young. But again, the the length of it it is just questionable, considering the places this franchise is heading. Not that it's good or bad places. I'm just we have ton of tons of questions coming up. Granted, we have a lot of UFA's and RFA's coming up this year, but we got to figure stuff out otherwise. Um, Brock Besser just somehow Brock's only making 5.8 right now. Boy's going to be making a lot more than that. You can't afford that. He's probably going.
1: He, he's going to be a Brian Russ type deal. You and think you them, have okay. already one of those that you need to sign?
0: Yeah, and also he's twenty five. He's definitely really good. He's going to look for some term too. Going mm-hmm. to look for his life team. That's that's just a weird one. I always feel weird about teams trading away their top players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of them. So I don't I don't know about that. The JT Miller one though, pretty good. Is he? He's from around here. Is he not?
1: What? He's Make from it. the Pittsburgh area. East Palestine, Ohio,
0: is the birthplace. I think he played junior and Wee here though so that that counts yeah. bring the local boy home
1: we love that story right when's the last time that happened for us i don't know the last player that i can remember from the other than sam lafferty who's from holidaysburg is uh is bugsy malone yep yeah, it's than, it's there might while. have been somebody else but i feel like that's probably the last one i remember other than lafferty apparently. yeah
0: because we don't have any chance of getting trocheck gibson or uh no <laughs> who am, I, who am I, who's this game oh brandon sod who you
1: know uh, he has a, he has a home right now in, in yeah. st louis and he's not going
0: anywhere yeah but i like the uh, jt Miller idea more than just the home the home kid the home town kid thing
1: yeah so there's one name that that you threw out there and we've discussed a couple times throughout the season he had requested a trade multiple times from his team you wrote an article about it but it doesn't seem to me that jake DeBrusk from the boston bruins is going anywhere the guy is now playing on the first line with the Bruins. So, as much as I would have liked to see that move be made, so I could heap praise on you for being correct for all these months, it does not look like Jake DeBrusk is going anywhere. Nope, no, he's not. <laughs> That's <laughs> would have been would have been a nice addition. You talked me into it earlier in the season. Yeah, but it... uh, I mean, he's playing on the first line. He also has four goals in the last four games played. So, think about. It. I also threw
0: that option out there before Kapanen fell off. Yeah. <laughs> now we're not getting now now we're not shipping capping it out for debras now it just doesn't match mm-hmm. but yeah that would have been a good idea that' that ship has long sailed though I think that team that Boston Bruins team I mean I said last episode or episode before that heading into the postseason there is no seating on the Bruins they're just the playoff Bruins yeah but in reality they're not the same team anymore
1: Mm-mm.
0: they're they're a strange little situation, especially with the retirement of Tuka Rask and Linus Allmark, as much as he may be a starter in the league, he played for Buffalo. So you got that yeah. Buffalo stank on him. And then there's Jeremy <laughs> yeah. Swayman who is only twenty three and has some growing to do. Mm-hmm. It's a weird team. Sure, once they get to the playoffs, I will still say there is no seating on Boston because you still look at their top line. Oh yeah, they added Taylor Hall to their second. Jake Debrusque is sitting around somewhere still. The defense is questionable, but hey, it's, it's a rough team. That is a hard team to play against.
1: Yeah, and it's a hard place to play as well in TD Garden. Especially come playoff time, that is a difficult place to win hockey games. But uh, yeah, I don't think Jake Debrusk is going anywhere. So we can just, just move on from that one. Um, the next two forwards are forwards that... Me, you, and Dougie, specifically Dougie brought to the table and we all discussed. Uh, first one, the one that he really likes is Brandon Hagel from the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, that, is a, that is a Doug Gladkey perfection piece is what he is really hoping for. And he threw in a little caveat there that maybe we get a goaltender in that deal too because there's a goalie on the Blackhawks with an expiring contract. I'm going to debunk that right now. I don't, uh, listen, I want to see Fleury end his career in Pittsburgh. Even if it's on a one-day contract. I don't want Marc Andre Fleury right now. And I don't want him, I don't want him on the current contract, even if it's expiring. I don't want a $3.5 million backup goaltender that's going to put more pressure on Tristan Jari. It's just not necessary. But um to talk specifically about Hegel, he's young. He's 23 years old. He's on a good contract. He has two years remaining after this year at $1.5 million a clip. He produces 17 goals, 30 points on the season and 48 games played. He's gonna be expensive. You're going to be paying. It's going to be a first-round pick, probably. I mean, the only thing that you can probably get, say in return is be like, hey, listen, he's young, he's unproven. We haven't seen it over time. But still, really good contact, uh, contract control, really good age, really good production this year and, and last year as well. He feels like Dom Cahoon to me, and I like it. Yeah, you you say he would
0: cost a lot, and he probably would, but are the blackhawks willing to sell because they're not good right now they're not going to make the postseason are they trying to rebuild are they trying to do what pittsburgh's trying to do which is build the best team they can for their two core forwards see i mean they're done seen... this year yeah for sure are they going to look into next year and say hey let's do it for for patrick canes last year on his contract for i think days is hurt again isn't he no he's not Where's his name there he is. For Jonathan Tate. They're both in their last year. Mm-hmm. So are they gonna try and build up for hey, this is Taves and Kane's last year on their deal. I mean, granted, they're probably probably re-sign if they have the wherewithal to. But do the does the team wanna build something right away? Are they willing to sell out this year, maybe get a solid Who's the who's protected to go number one this year? Chainwright. Who? I mean they're not getting that, but no they could coast around though and maybe luck into something although we don't want to see Chicago be successful for front office reasons but it, i mean Brinkett's going into the last year of his deal do they want to do they want to really have a good
1: successful year next year who could they here's take the, here's the problem with that they did that this year they went out and got Seth Jones they went out and got Mark, Mark Andre Fleury it didn't work it, it didn't set, work What's going to be different next year? I could have
0: told you Seth Jones was a mistake. When that I did tell you that that but, Seth Jones yeah. was a mistake when they signed it. But I don't know. I just look at it and I think this is a team that has so much pride in itself that you you walk away from three Stanley Cups in six years and you expect more going down the stretch. Now, granted, these guys are older; they're aged a little, but they still want to have that same success because they have a young core that can do something in the future you look at yeah. DeBrink; de is supposed to be phenomenal and he's going to be phenomenal mm-hmm. uh kubalik was a calder finalist despite being old um dylan strom's okay we're we're talking about brandon Heigel. Uh, they have a good team for the future it's just a matter of Figuring out what to do and be successful. I, I don't, I guess I haven't watched enough of these games to know why they're not doing well, but something's up there and something's got to
1: rebuild somewhere. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. If they're willing to get rid of Hagel, I think when I, we, we talk about all these players, Hagel's probably at the bottom of my list just because he's so unproven. I mean, I know he's, he's had success this season. I know he had some success last season, but you don't know how that's going to translate in a new system. You don't know how that's going to translate on a new team. You don't know how that's going to translate with new new teammates, new line mates. So I think if if you're looking for this year, you need as close to a sure thing as possible. And I think every other name that we're mentioning on this list, and it's not a long list, so I'm not saying he's really bad, but I, I would think that I would like other players more than that, but at the same exact time, I really love the fact that he's 23. I love the fact that his cap hit is under 2 million, and I love the fact that he is showing really good promise this season it's a i wouldn't be mad if they did it but i think there's better options to go about if you can get somebody else before that but if it comes down to Hegel, i'd love to see his name his age and his cap hit on this roster
0: yeah that's i'd like that too but it just seems <clears throat> unrealistic especially because they're trying
1: to be successful here mm-hmm now, there is one last winger I want to talk about before we get into defense and goaltenders, and there's, there's not going to be as many options for D and goaltender that we look into, or at least that I have, names that I have. But the last winger I want to talk about, Dougie sent this to us, I believe it was yesterday, and I might have swooned when I saw this. Honestly, I was like, I didn't think of that. I actually would really love that. And the name is Victor Olofsson from the Buffalo Sabres. Now, he's, he's having a down year. He is, but he also plays in Buffalo. When I think of Victor Olofsson, I think of the production that he had when he first came over and was paired on a line with Jack Eichel. He can play with a star center and he's very effective with a star center. He's got a great shot. He's only $3 million, so you could probably find an easy way to fit it under the cap and he's an upcoming RFA. So understandably, you can make whatever decision you want because you could just not qualify when he walks away if it's a bad move. Or you have a little bit of contract control if you're the, the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I like it. He has seven goals, 24 points, and 44 games played. Again, that's playing on a Buffalo Sabres team that basically has no centers. If he's playing with a good center, I would say, we already talked about it, put him on the right side of Malkin and Heinen. I think that that's really, really good. And then that leaves who? Zucker, Rodriguez, Carter as your third line? When all healthy? I like it. I like it a lot. Notice I didn't say somebody else. So I think that that could be, of all these names, that's the one that right now is at the top of my wish list. I might be alone in that, but I really would like to see Victor Olofsson be acquired by the Penguins. I don't know what the price would be for him. I'm sure Buffalo is trying to get as much as they can out of the players that they trade. And I'm sure that he's, I mean, he's an upcoming RFA. I don't think he would sign there. I mean, maybe his qualifying author. I could see him being like a holdout in Buffalo if they don't give him the money that he wants so if he's on the market which i've seen a couple of stories that said he is i think the penguin should at the very least poke around and he would be at the top of my wish list for wingers that that
0: was gonna be my first question of if is there rumors that he wants to that they're that they're shopping him or he wants out or whatever it may be so the fact that there's something something to grasp on to, i'll take because i like that too he's only got six penalty minutes too smart player love that uh, yeah it, this is a this would be a phenomenal move because he has power play success for one, because Buffalo can't get any other success in scoring. Yeah, we would like to see what he can do playing with a good center. Yeah, Jack Eichel. Okay, but let's see some proven talent to play with him. Well, let's... no,
1: he. I mean, he he played really well with Eichel.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Let's now let's tack on a little bit extra in an Evgeny yeah. Malkin. Let's get it rolling. Let's see what he can do. Throw him on our throw him on our power play, even the second unit to start to like kick some gears there and then feed up to the first. I don't know who the hell he'd replace, <laughs> but when you got a rocket like that, I think you find someone to filter out into the second and then have threats everywhere. When you're a man up, I like this idea. I love this idea. my only rebuttal for whenever Dougie threw it out yesterday was, all right, cool. He's got to change his Jersey number. Uh, Cause he's, he's currently wearing 71. And before that he was 68.
1: And I'm not yeah. letting that happen yeah i said what about 86 either like an 86 or maybe like a i don't know like 86 i like or something i like 86 i think olsen's since uh, uh, 86 would look good 86 would be fun or an 89 89 would be better yeah
0: I, but jersey numbers are small things i just forgot yeah. i didn't realize he switched to 71 which is even not as good i just thought he was still yeah. 68 which again you come here you i hope people tell him
1: hey you can't do that well the equipment staff wouldn't let him they'd be like hey um no <laughs> unless you want not, to do the old Ray Bork. Not yet. not, not, not
0: happen. <laughs> um, An unproven commodity in Pittsburgh skates up to de-yogger edgers your retirement
1: day and takes his jersey off. Jesus. Um, so let's move over to defense on that note. Um, the only defenseman that I've heard, I mean, I've heard a bunch of defensemen that are on the block. Obviously, you know, big Jacob Chikrin. He's not coming to Pittsburgh. The Penguins are not getting into the Jacob Chikrin sweepstakes. Um, the two that I've heard, tied to Pittsburgh, and Wesley even sent this, uh, Wesley Reed sent this to us via direct message on Twitter. He said, what about Ben Sherrod or Jeff Petrie from Montreal? Um, first and foremost, and I'll talk about this a little bit more when we talk about our Pence poll, I don't think the Penguins need defensive help. I, I don't. I, I don't think that that's an area that I'm, I am I want to trade anything away for. I don't think that that's an area that there is an available spot right now. And, and I honestly don't think that Sherrod or Petrie no matter what you pay for them, even if you get them for basically like two packs of bubble gum, they're not that great of an upgrade on what you already have. So I would stay away, but to, to give it a little bit of credence to me, Petrie is way too expensive. You're paying a lot of money for a lot of years for Jeff Petrie. And also a guy that was putrid this year. I mean, with Dominic Ducharme, Jeff Petrie was awful. Now he's gotten a lot better since Martin St. Louis took over there. But again, I don't want to bring in a guy that struggled half the year with a coach even though that coach got fired. And then on the other end, to me, Sherratt, he's a rental. His contract's up. But eh, he's my preferred of the two, but again, not a better option than what we have. What do you think of these two names, Horwat?
0: Our defense, without even looking at the names, our defense is in a weird situation where it's not perfect, but at the same time, wh- where, who, go, who leaves? Who are you trying to take out of this defense, and who are you trying to put in? Mike Madsen's the easy answer.
1: That's Mike Matheson's the... been the third best defenseman on the team yeah,
0: all year. I, yeah. Mike Mathes is the easy answer in terms of his contract. Sure. Yeah.
1: Who's taking it, really? Yeah, is Montreal really going to be like, yeah, we'll take that back in, in favor of the Jeff Petrie one that's basically the same thing? Yeah. So, like I said,
0: our defense isn't perfect. It leaves a lot to be desired. But at the same time, I don't see – I don't foresee someone being – we talked about Pedersen being traded forever and ever that one I just don't see happening anymore clearly yeah but again who do you put in that spot Mm then it's that's the difficult situation that we would run into with this it's it's our defense may not be where we want it it falls quite a lot but it's picking up from who goes where then afterwards it's just hard to replace – It's. I may be talking in circles here, but it's hard to really send someone out for someone who we think might be better because, I don't know, it's hard to really grasp.
1: Yeah, I, I entirely agree. And then we already had that discussion on P.O. Joseph earlier in the show we, that we have you, have him, yeah, you have him, you have Friedman, and you have – five of these guys signed five of these eight guys that you've used this season already signed for next year. Do you really want to bring in another piece and another piece of that puzzle? I I wouldn't. And especially, you know, everybody, especially on penguins, Twitter is, is tightening up about, Oh, I don't want to trade prospects. I don't want to trade picks, which I'm willing to trade them for the right pieces. I just don't think a defenseman is that right piece. I don't think that that's the way to go. So um, unless you have any other names. Do you have any other... I, I didn't even ask this about the forwards. Do you have any forward names that you you would think that the Penguins should target or have heard or even defensemen?
0: No, it's hard to come up with any because we. I look at this team and I think of the same general... Uh, I think of our forwards the same way I think of our uh, defense right now, which is, aside from Kapanen, who do you really want to get rid of? Like, honestly. Hmm. Kapanen's the easy answer again, yes, but who are we going to get back for him? I think anything will do. Just a call-up, yeah. a draft pick yeah. maybe. We ship him out for a low draft pick and just call someone up. I don't know. It's a hard – that's a hard one. But other than that, we have Zucker coming back eventually, I guess. Drew O'Connor's mm-hmm. still coasting around. I think he's healthy. He's back in the minors, yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Drew
0: Connor's still coasting around. He could fill in if we needed it. We have Zahorna. I, I don't want to take Brian Boyle out of this lineup, despite him being a center. Yeah. It's it's going to be – I, I aiming and hoping for a quiet trade deadline unless it is a move for Kasperi Kapanen, but again, who are we getting back for that at this point? So, when it comes to names, no, I can't think of any. The only other name that comes to mind that I'm thinking of, it's on defense, ironically. That's just because I've heard him wanting out, and that's Mark Giordano. you love a good veteran presence, but my God, the contract, the age, it would clearly be a rental for his opportunity at a cup, but... Ugh, I just, I can't get behind that one either. And that's like the first one that I always think of. But yeah, I think this team could use some bottom six help. Maybe even that second line help for Gino. Uh, it's just a matter of
1: who are we getting back for Kapanen. That's yeah. the only move I want to make in this whole thing. Yeah. So before we, we move on and talk a little bit more about trade deadline and what we want from the trade deadline, there's two goaltenders that I highlighted here. And of course the Penguins are looking for backup goaltending, which... And, and I'll preface this conversation because, honestly, you know what? No, because we'll talk about this in the next segment. The two goaltenders that I'm looking at, Brayden Holtby and James Reimer. Holtby has a $2 million expiring deal. Mathematically, that's very easy to fit under the cap. And he's also having a pretty good season for the Dallas Stars. So, I actually really like this. Also because, I mean, Hockey Troll and Polly Cupcakes from the official Caps Chirp podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network would absolutely lose their minds if Braden Holpe became a Pittsburgh Penguin. Not only that, but if we utilized him as a backup, I think they would make them even more upset. But realistically, I don't think the Penguins are going to be able to get to that because I think other teams are going to look at that contract and see that as valuable too. And I don't think the Penguins are in that big of a need of a backup goaltender to where they're willing to get into a bidding war over a Braden Holpe. I think he's probably going to be, him and Fleury are probably the top goaltenders that are going to be shopped at the deadline if they even move. Um, the only other goaltender I said was James Reimer. He's had a good s- season for the San Jose Sharks. And he has another year. So you're buying another year. I'd like to see a little bit of salary cap retention because paying a backup goaltender $2.25 million is a lot of money, especially considering the fact that you're going to have to do some cap gymnastics to put a team relatively similar to this year back on the ice next season. So I like Reimer. I like Holtby as players. Holtby fits, I think, better under the cap. But I would also not mind getting Reimer back if there's some salary retention involved. There would have to be salary retention for
0: uh, Reimer because he used how much did you say he was making?
1: Two point two five.
0: Okay, yeah, we're paying to uh, to Smith one point two five, so I don't. And that's what I think,
1: honestly. If you can just say, hey, r- retain a million. Yeah, get it to that
0: number, figure it mm-hmm.
1: out. It's
0: yeah, I don't think the I think the goalie situation is figured out. Casey DeSmith Smith has kind of found his game. Mm-hmm. Found found his game, if you will. Still, I mean, yeah. you still don't want to see him survive after that. Not survive. You still don't want to see him on this team after this year, just because yeah. backup goalies in this league shouldn't last that long. But no, it's he's figured it out. We have Domingue if he's if he gets healthy and if he can maintain the game he played when he was here. I think we're good in that situation. I think we are fine. We're confident enough. It's just a matter of getting Jari his rest when he needs it. Smith's been able to pull out some wins he's looked a lot better than the beginning of the season mm-hmm. and you know if louis deming has to step in for another game or two we're okay with it i think we're fine there
1: all right yeah i i like what you said there and honestly let's uh let's take a quick break and then we'll continue this discussion about trade deadline needs for the pittsburgh penguins with our weekly pens poll to close out this show right after the break
0: hockey fights lifestyle and tales from a first round draft bust We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL.
1: Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and even better opportunities. Again, that is promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Uh, Our weekly pens poll this week, we asked, with the trade deadline a month away, which is it's now three weeks away, which position do you hope Ron Hextall addresses? Backup goalie actually won this poll with 42% of the vote directly behind it. A winger had 39% of the vote. Defense had 17%. And 2% of our voters said, I just want to see the Pittsburgh Penguins hold steady. I don't want to see them make a move. Horwat, what say you? Uh, I feel like every team has to make a move normally. Eh.
0: Not every team, but you know what eh. I mean. There's moves yeah. made by about every team of the league every year. Um the backup goalie situation, like I just said, is kind of figured out at this point. I think mm. we're just going to hold steady there. When it comes to the the position to make a move for, it's got to be a winger. And that is just yeah. because I don't want Kisperi Kapanen on this team anymore. <laughs> yeah. And we discuss names that could take over and fill in. We can move guys around. If we need to make call-ups, we can make call-ups. This, I'm confident in this team. It's just a matter of finding the depth scoring to come back. Mm-hmm. And who knows, a new name might be exactly what we need for that. I don't have too yeah. much to say on anything else because, like I said, I hope the Penguins are relatively quiet when it comes to this trade deadline. Mm-hmm. But a depth winger or a second line winger, even, is
1: fine by me. That's like the only move I want to see. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree. I, I voted winger in this one. I don't think the Penguins need another goaltender. I I, re, I really don't. And I said this a couple of weeks back that you know it hasn't been the best season for for Casey Desmith, but he's starting to get the job done. Which, as we saw on Sunday. Give your team an opportunity to win the game. That's all you really need to do. There's 20, what, seven games left this season? If Casey to Smith can play in seven to nine of those games and give the Penguins a chance in those games, then I'm fine with that. Because once the playoffs start, I don't care who's the backup goaltender. If you have to defer to them, you've already lost. If you're the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's where it stands. So do I really want to... Spend the money to go out and get a backup goaltender, get an enhancement, get a Braden Holtby, get a James Reimer. If it's not too expensive, sure. But I don't think that should be the the, the number one thing that Ron Hextall is looking for. I agree. I like a, a middle six winger, preferably on the right side. That's what I would be targeting if I was Ron Hextall. We already talked about Victor Olofsson. Another name that we didn't mention and I just remembered about because I don't want to see it happen is Phil Kessel. That's been rumored around. I'm fine leaving that where it lies. Yep. I'm assuming you are too. Oh, yeah. oh It's fun. It's
0: a very fun idea because he's a great player. And yeah. we've seen the success with him. But
1: um, no, no. Le- that bridge is burnt, man. Yeah, I, we don't know. Obviously, we weren't privy to those conversations with Sullivan and with, with Malkin. But, of course, there was all the rumors that those – three were not all on the same page at the same time. So I'm fine with not having that. Also, I I think there's many other better options for the Pittsburgh Penguins than bringing back Phil Kessel on a rental basis. So that's why I I basically put it so far in the back of my mind that when I was making the notes for the show, I completely forgot about it and I just remembered about it. But no, uh, I, I think that a winger is the best option. I already discussed why I think a defenseman is not the best option and for the whole steady crew, that 2% of you, which is like a handful, maybe even like half a dozen people that voted that, I don't hate your ideal, but I do think they need an upgrade at winger. I, I think there's too many people on this roster right now that can go cold at a moment's notice. Your Kapanins, your Rodriguez's, your Zucker when he comes back, I love what he does, but he can go cold goal scoring wise, and, and obviously... You also have Jeff Carter, who's struggling now. We talked about Zach aston reese who just stays cold, young fella. So uh, I, I don't mind holding steady, but I do think they need an addition in the middle six on the wing.
0: Yeah, that's that's all it is. Just a quick middle six addition, no matter who yeah. it is. Kessel would be a ton of fun, but just we don't want the drama right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all the names we previously mentioned are all great ideas. It's just a matter of shipping out Casper
1: Capitan. Who wants them? On sale, ladies and gentlemen. He's only got a year left. Over 10. Uh, he doesn't have a year left. I thought he's done after this season. That's what I meant. This is it. Yeah. He's a, he's, he's a restricted free agent after the season, which if they don't get rid of him, and I'll just say this to close out the show and you can respond to it. If they do not get rid of him and the Penguins get to full health and they bring in a winger, Kasperi Kaepernick watching the playoffs in a suit. And I'm perfectly okay with that. He can sit right next to Brian Boyle as the extra forwards. No. <laughs> yeah, you're well, absolutely right. Yeah, it's... yeah that's, I, And listen, Boyle, to me, is ahead of Capitan in that situation. Yes.
0: Damn it, that's sad to say, but yes.
1: Yes, and he is. I mean, and I, we don't want to talk too much. Like I said, we both have taxes to do. But in the lineup, my dream scenario lineup right now, Gensel Crosby-Rust, first line. Heinen, Malkin acquisition on the second line, Victor Olafson, top of my list, Brandon Hagel, I think would actually fit better on the third line, but possibly there. So Heinen-Malkin acquisition, third line is Rodriguez, Carter, Jason Zucker, and a fourth line of Aston Reese, Bluger, and Brock McGinn. That to me is a successful lineup heading into the postseason that to me is a lineup I can get behind going into the postseason and that includes Brian Boyle being the 13th forward and Kasperi Kapanen having to fight with Dom Simone for the 14th spot
0: so, it sounds, sounds like a ton of fun that's
1: where I stand right now at least I'm with you It's riding in so uh, anything else that you want to mention about trade deadline as of right now we are three weeks away we could see a move honestly at any, at any, any moment at yep. this point
0: yeah, no, I got nothing else to add. Uh, but it's we're getting to it. We're getting down to the
1: nitty gritty, if you will. Yep, we're down to the stretch run here as the March of the Penguins kicks off on Thursday in Tampa Bay, in the home of the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions, Penguins at Lightning. That's where it all begins, and you can catch pre-game, not really pre-game, but our episode on Thursday will preview that game and the and the Friday game. But that's gonna do it for this episode. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Have a good week, Pens fans. You can follow us on Twitter at Nick Horwatt 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from. So please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.